happens. Thank you for his heart, for your presence. And now, Holy Spirit, just give him the release of presence and power. Really communicate your word to us. Bless him. Honor him today, Lord, as he shares your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great. Thank you, Al. All right, so we're continuing our series, uh, Unfolding the Great Commission. I just want to cover a couple of little things quickly that um, Al talked about last week, just to remind us, and then we'll move on a little bit um, as well. So... It's not switched on, so give me... There we go. Um, so we're thinking about the church as Christ's centerpiece, his plan uh, for the world, um, the ecclesia. And so when Al talked about this word ecclesia last week, it literally means uh, to call out a political assem- assembly of citizens, a definition of ancient Greece, church members, the ecclesia, which is us. So for the last 2,000 years, the church has been the mobilized people of God called out and called into society to bring about God's kingdom, rule, and reign. Um, And so last week as well, we talked about this passage um, in Ephesians 4, and I'm going to read that. So if you want to follow along in your your Bibles, you can look at um, Ephesians 4 from verse um, 11. Just going to take a little bit of time to think about this and then flesh out some of the ways in which we can live uh, this kind of stuff out in, in our lives as the church. So Ephesians 4 um, says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, so I'll remind us last week that the purpose of apostles prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's not that one or two people up at the front do everything, um, which we should all be relieved about, by the way, um, because when that model is in place, the person has to do everything. And um, when you try to do that, as I have in the past at times, you find out that you're not good at lots of stuff. You're good at some things average at some things, and terrible at some things. Uh, and so wh- whoever a minister is who happens to be the person who everything goes through in a church, you will know what their strengths are and you will know what their weaknesses are. Um, and it can be very frustrating because if one man or one person is, is the conduit from which most ministry happens in church, it's a bottleneck. But also many people in the congregation have better skills than the minister at doing certain things. Because it was never meant to be a one-man job, the church. It was always supposed to be about everyone being involved. And so anyway, uh, I'll talk through this last week about the role of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the ministry and uh, for the building up of uh, of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. So there's something about unity and the knowledge of Jesus where we're pulled together so that we may become mature to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So in a way, if we mature, if we grow, if we develop as people, we will get to the point where something within us starts to, in a mature way, fully represent Christ on the earth. Isn't that amazing? 
that together we can fully represent Jesus on the earth. Which, the opposite of that is that individually we can't fully represent Christ on the earth. So we need to think about how it is that we come together on a shared mission to reveal Jesus to the world. Okay, so to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Um, so why do we have these apostolic gifts? The extension of the ministry of Christ. Um, it's heaven's design for the church's government on earth to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, to build up the body um, through maturity, unity, and knowledge. So the 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 fivefold ministry gifts are about equipping and developing the church to do to fulfil the mission, which is to make Christ known. Um, and then in verse 14 we read, So that we will no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And for me, I really love these verses because when I look at our society, when I look at our culture, when I look at the world around us, I think that... It's, it's such a crazy place to be that in a way, if we are not anchored, if we are not secure in the knowledge of Christ and who we are in him and the purpose of being part of his body, we will experience on a regular basis a feeling like being tossed to and fro on the waves of life, shaped and moved by every wind of teaching or doctrine, from every piece of news we read, from every change that happens politically in our society. There are so many things out there in the world which knock us about, which unsettle us. And so we have to be anchored fully in Christ. And in the original context of this, is primarily talking about um, the winds and waves of, of different forms of, of, of religious teaching. But that was the main thrust of, if you like, cultural... Um, influence in, in those particular days. And so we have many other influences that change us and have an effect on us. But rather, you see, we as the carriers of Jesus will find ourselves in a culture which is being bounced about everywhere, speaking the truth in love, growing up into Christ, who is the head. We will find ourselves secure in the midst of a storm. And so we find as well that we're connected to a body, joined and held together, by every joint, which is equipped when we're part of it working properly, the whole body grows and it builds itself up in love. Uh, and again, I think for me, in a Western society, we think too much individually. We think about us. Are, are, am I doing well? Is my life going okay? Am I being fulfilled? And we were always meant to find our our worth, our value, and our identity in Christ and his body. And the context of the body means that, that it's not just ever really about us and how, we're, about how I'm doing. It's always about how we are doing. Because we are Christ's body, mobilized to bring his kingdom on the earth. And so the vision of this church is to help rewrite the story of Craig Avon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God. And that comes 
from the sense of being an apostolic church movement, sent ones. Our purpose is to go and to take the good news of Jesus into our immediate surrounding area, into the nation, and into the world. Now, that is a big, extravagant, wide-ranging vision. And it's like that because we are called to mobilize and to make Christ known everywhere. And if we're fully equipped, trained, inspired, mature people, we can step up into that vision and live out the fulfillment of everything that God is calling us to be and who he's, what he's calling us to do. And what we need to realize is that the big vision and an apostolic framework that allows everybody in, in church to thrive in a lot of ways, it's quite a new phenomenon. There have been pockets of expressions of, of church that looked maybe a little bit like the way we look throughout history. But in general, over the last kind of 30 or 40 years, the new church movement has grown up. Uh, and um, for, for a long time, I was part of the Vineyard Church Movement. And the guy that founded it was a guy called John Wimber. And he was very well known for his one-liners. And um, some of them are... are are really God-inspired and have stuck throughout history and you hear them quoted in lots of different environments and probably by people that don't even know where they came from. But one of them that you might have heard is this one. Everyone gets to play. And when Wimber said this 30, maybe 40 years ago now, it was a radical concept. It was saying that everyone gets to be involved, that it's not just about one or two people up in the front, but everyone gets to play their part. It was a radical and liberating statement at the, at the time. We all have a role and a part to play. We can all get involved in serving. But sometimes what we do is we reduce it to everyone gets to serve. Everyone gets, you know, we need people to help out with children's ministry. We need people to do tea and coffee. Everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to serve. In other words, we need everyone to do something because we want them to fulfill the vision of the church. And that thinking can lead us to having churches driven by a very specific vision that will take them in a very specific direction. And almost like everybody needs to get on board with our vision. Here's where we're going. We need you to help us. If you want to be part of this and be part of that vision, come on, let's go. If you don't, then just go somewhere else, please. Okay, that's probably a harsh version, but I want you to think about, about that sometimes that is what can happen in the church. And so what I would like to say is I think in some ways, and that was really, really helpful for me for a long time, but if we reduce it, I don't think John Wimber ever meant for it to be everyone gets to serve, but sometimes it can be reduced to that. What I would like to say is everyone gets to thrive. Everyone gets to thrive. And how we do that is to have a big vision. It's to have a vision that no one person can fulfill on their own. In fact, that no one church body can fulfill on their own. In fact, that if God doesn't turn up and the Holy Spirit doesn't move and there isn't revival, we're not going to get anywhere near it. It has to be that big. Because God gives visions and dreams into the hearts of his people. And he calls those visions and dreams out within the context of, of a local church so that we can all thrive. And a church 
that has an apostolic thinking. Remember the word apostle is a sense of a sent one, that we're sent out to go and bring God's kingdom. If God has given us a vision and a dream within that sending out, then we're all going to go out and do things and see stuff change and, and be transformational people in the environments that God has placed us in. And so we, we all have to more than just serve. Finding a place where you can do something, that's good. Step one. It's only step one. We're not just called to serve. We're called to serve, but we're also called to thrive. And so Jesus, you know, Jesus modeled out, don't get me wrong here, Jesus modeled, modeled out a servant heart. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus said that, but he also said this. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And so what we're what we do is we're invited in to the story of God to be co-authors of the unfolding story of God within our society, within culture, within every environment that God has placed us. God says, come with me. You know, you're part of our family. We're friends. We're going to write this story together. You're not just here to mark your card and serve me and go, didn't I help out with the tea and coffee? Didn't I help out with children's ministry? Didn't I preach? Didn't I play in the worship band? All those things are wonderful, but we're part of the big story, the unfolding story of God. We're about the master's business, which is a fantastic thing. So we're dearly loved children, called to serve, but also called to really thrive. We're part of an expanding movement it's not just service provision. And we get called up into this with a group of people that we go on a journey with. And this is what uh, Paul says about the church, the church in Corinth specifically. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. And the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom of God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let no one who boasts boast, or let, let the one who boasts boast in, in the Lord. And so the church is this random group of people. We, you know when we're being polite, we use the word eclectic. Right? It's a fancy word of saying that we're really, really diverse. You could also say we're a bunch of weirdos, right? Who ha should have no business being together in the same room, but we are. And I love it when people come and they say, Do you know what? There's all sorts of people in church and like, how come how come these people all work to you know relate together and be together? And we don't realise how unusual church is as an environment where anybody and everybody is welcome. Regardless of, of race or gender or social class or education or background, we're part of this one big, wonderful family of God. And in general, you don't get rooms of people like this out there in the world. 
And when people encounter that, they go, what is it? Why do you people work together? Why are you part of the same thing? It reflects something of the heart of God. All people are called in these plans. All people are called in these purposes. All are welcome. And the church, when we look around, is this wonderful example of a family, of a community on mission where everyone has a place. Everyone has an opportunity to thrive. And so we go on this journey in an apostolic church um, framework of really growing and thriving, of being changed and transformed. And so... um, in this church, we train and we skill people. We develop them. So we have all our courses that we do. We um, call, call people to deep spiritual formation and development. We want to be transformed and look more like Jesus. And so one of the ways that we do that is through our life groups. We speak into people's destiny and purpose and identity. We remind people that they're sons and daughters of the living God. We help people understand that they're caught up in the greater purposes of God. That we're involved in seeing God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And as part of an apostolic church network, we want to see people released to bring God's kingdom. And we realize that 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 can't happen in and through our own strength. That it has to happen where something comes supernaturally from God that empowers this random, eclectic group of people to go out into society and to bring change and transformation. For us to ask ourselves, what does it look like for God's kingdom rule and reign to come on earth as it is in heaven in the environment that God has placed me in? Because we're sent to do that. We're sent to be involved in his kingdom purposes. And... I love it in Acts 2, I talk about it quite a lot, how Peter quotes uh, Joel 2 about visions and dreams. And I think in this moment in time and in this moment in history, one of the things that we need to do as a church is to wrestle with what is the vision? What is the dream? Our, our vision and dream is, is to rewrite a story of Craig Avon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God. But what is your vision? What is your dream within that? What is God calling you to do? And how can we together help each other fulfill dreams? You see, it's not enough just for us to find out what our vision is and what our dream is. We have to be you know, rooted in our own security and what God has called us to do. Listen to the dreams and visions of each other. Take those on board and seek to see everyone else thrive. You see, what would happen in a church where we actually heard the vision, heard the dream of each other and thought, rather than this just being about me, I would love to see you thrive. I'd love to see you go beyond where I've gone. I'd, I'd love to see you do amazingly well. And you see, there's something about our Northern Irish culture that we spend so much time making sure that nobody else around us gets a big head or gets above their station, that nobody gets to thrive. Right? So, and, and that's what we do. You know, and, and, and we say things like, oh, your man, it's good to see him getting knocked down a few pegs. That's really loving, isn't it? That's really kind. Very generous of us. And, and that comes from a deep place of insecurity. When we are insecure in our identity, the only person that we want to see thrive is ourself. And very often ourself at the expense of another. 
because we, we spend our time comparing with each other. But when we're secure in who uh, God says that we are, we look around at other people and think, I would love to see you thrive. Tell me your story. Tell me your dream. How can we make that happen together? And then you find there are two or three or four people who have a similar story or similar dream or similar vision, and so we build each other up. And we're not all going to go and plant a church, but some of us are. We're not all going to go and start a charity or a ministry, but some of us are. What we have to do is respond to what God has given us and put in front of us. And I want to talk about a few things that we need to think about, maybe some mind shifts that we need to uh, make in relation to that. And the first of those is authority versus influence. Many of us are under the false impression that because we are not the owner of a business or a leader of a team or the director of a charity or somebody who's going to go and plant a church or somebody who's going to lead a mission or, or something else, something big, we kind of think that we can't make a difference. And sometimes we think we can't make a difference because I don't have the authority to. I can't change a broken system in a workplace because I'm not the manager or I'm not the boss. But there's a massive difference between authority and influence. Authority is something that's given to you, and very often it comes with a title, pastor or manager or CEO or owner or whatever it happens to be. But influence is open to all of us. We can all bring change and transformation through influence. And so a number of years ago, I found myself working in an IT company and... um, worked in an office and I didn't, nobody was um, under my authority. I wasn't the boss of anyone. But what I realized was I have the ability to change the culture around me and the people around me. I have the power to influence. And the way I decided to influence the, the business that I worked in was by having a laugh. I know that may, may not sound amazing, but um, I sort of thought, we're in here 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, and if we can't have fun, then there's something wrong. And so we used to always do our work, but laugh and carry on, and we created a culture of fun in our office. And my immediate manager hated it. She absolutely hated it. And so when we would hear her office was next to ours, and so we would hear her coming into your office, we'd all be like, shh, really, really quiet. And we'd behave. And she, she wanted us just to be quiet and get on with our work. But we wanted to have fun and get on with our work. And so I, we changed the culture of that environment. And then the managing director came into the room one day and he said, I walk past this room quite often. And very often I hear lots of laughter, lots of joking and carrying on. And he said, that's great. Keep it up. And he walked out of the room. Because he recognized that if his employees were having fun, if they were enjoying themselves, then they were going to do a good job. They were going to be fruitful. Good things were going to happen. Because a happy employee is normally a good employee. And so, in a way, what we have to ask ourselves is, what environments am I in? How can I influence them? How can I bring about change? Not because I'm the boss, necessarily. If you are, then you've got a bit of added responsibility, maybe. But how can I change the environment that I'm in? We can all do that. 
We all carry the presence of God. We all bring a superior reality, the reality of heaven, to earth, wherever God has placed us. We can bring change. We can bring transformation. And so we need to recognize that we don't have to wait for a title. We don't have to wait for somebody to say, you can go and do this. No, we don't have to wait a lot of the time for permission. If we want to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, then we have to say, right, where am I right now? Because where you are right now, God has a plan and a purpose for you. You're part of a movement that's bringing change and transformation. So what is God saying to you? How can you be a person of influence? So another thing that, that really holds us back, back is this idea of being static as, a, as opposed to being mobilized. And so as I have thought long and hard about the church and about this nation, one of the things that I have realized is that, that we're, we're very static people in Northern Ireland. We don't tend, uh, and you might not think so, and that might not be your experience, but I want, I want us to realize that as a nation, there are reasons why that is. And um, we live in quite a static, fragmented, individualistic culture. And part of this is a legacy from the Troubles, particularly in Northern Ireland. And if we're going to be an apostolic movement, which is movemental, it's growing, it's innovating, it's barrier breaking, it's territory expanding, we have to realize that, that we went through, as a nation, a collective trauma because of the troubles, which causes us to behave in certain ways and to think in certain ways, which are not helpful, to say the least, when it comes to be an apostolic church movement. So during the troubles, we re retreated into our communities and into our houses. We traveled less. We moved house less. There was much risk associated with moving to a new town or a village or, or making yourself known to people that didn't know you. We made decisions based on that. Where am I going to move? I'll go and move to somewhere else to people that look quite like me, would ask questions like, what, which side is this community and which side is this community? We'd go certain places that we knew were safe and we would stay away from places that weren't. Our school system is segregated. We had limited retail and, and social opportunities during the Troubles. Even how we holidayed got affected and how we thought about things. It's only recently that we as a nation have experienced diversity in terms of migration because before that nobody wanted to come to Northern Ireland. And why is all of that important? It's important that we realize that we still carry some of those thought processes. We're less likely to move from one town to another for a new job. We're less likely to think about moving to a new community. Um, but if we're part of this movemental thing, we want to see God's kingdom come, then being people who are willing to go needs to be a normal thing for us. And I don't just mean go to the next village or go to the next town or go to the next country. But some of us are called to do that. Some of us are called to do that, to move to wherever it is God's calling us to because we're, we're part of seeing the Great Commission fulfilled on earth. But some of us are called to go across the street or across the community or across from one room to the other room in our offices. We're called to go and we're called to move. We're called to take risks. And, and so we became risk averse as well during the troubles. We didn't go anywhere. 
I mean, to challenge the underlying assumptions and the way that we think within any society if it gets in the way of God's kingdom coming. Let me give you a little example from Scripture. In Matthew 12, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him, and someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. And several other times in Matthew, Jesus challenges the cultural norm, which is that family is the thing, your immediate family, and so you look after them. You know, so somebody says to Jesus, Listen, I'll follow you, but I need to bury my father. And Jesus is like, no, listen, the dead can bury their own dead. It sounded like Jesus was being rude. But the father wasn't dead. Because if the, the father was dead, in that culture they were buried almost straight away. So he was waiting to a future time in which he would have the circumstances that would allow him to follow Jesus because the family uh, and, and cultural norms were getting in the way of people doing things. And so Jesus is not in any way in this passage being disrespectful to his mother and brothers. He's saying, look, we're too insular. We're looking too small here. We need to look beyond and look at the great family of God and how we get involved in that. And there's no doubt that Jesus loved his mom and his brother, but he's challenging a cultural norm. He's challenging a mindset. And if we are going to be mobilized people, we need to challenge mindsets. And later on, we see that, that Paul challenges different mindset issues. Um, as the church expands and as it goes beyond Jews and the Greeks and slaves and all these different people, again, a cultural norm where people kept to their own and their own thing and their own people group is challenged by the church. I don't have that scripture up, but in Galatians 3 it says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ were clothed, clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Jesus was saying, or sorry, Paul in this passage was saying, you're all part of the body of Christ. But in doing that, he was challenging the cultural norms as well. And we missed that part maybe where he was saying, we're all part of this. How does a slave person and a free person, a male and a female, a Jew or and a Gentile, how do they come together? They're normally separated within society and within culture in lots of different ways. And Paul is saying, if you continue to think like that, it's going to get in the way of what we're called to do, which is to bring God's kingdom to everyone. So he starts to break down the cultural norms of the day. Just tell you a very brief um, story. Debbie and I uh, lived in Belfast. And we grew up in Belfast. And all our family were in Belfast. And we lived in East Belfast and did everything in East Belfast. Right? My family lived within one and a half mile radius of our house. And, and we got married during the Troubles. The, our first house, uh, when we first got it, we had to go up to a barrier where people had blocked off the road who were protesting over a drum cree and say, excuse me, we live in there, can we get into our house, please? And because of the troubles, we didn't really travel as much. You wouldn't have just jumped in the car and thought, let's just go to wherever. And because of, of like towns getting blown up and stuff, if you remember back in those days, it changed the way we thought. 
And so when we felt God calling us to church plant, we realized we're going to have to go somewhere else. We're just comfortable in our nice house in East Belfast. We've just had a baby and, you know, everything's great. We've got great jobs and it's easy to commute to. All our friends are around us. All our families around us. We live in the hub of Northern Irish society in East Belfast. Okay? The Odyssey Arena has just been built. We can go to the cinema and, you know, see a nice hockey match. Everything is just on our doorstep. And God said, I want you to go. I want you to move. So we get into our car and we drove the whole way to Lisburn. Right? That is the end of civilization for somebody from Belfast. It, there's not even a road past that. And, um, and then we felt, no, this isn't where God's calling us to plant a church. And we went further. Probably pulled off the side of the road, checked the oil and the tire temperature and with enough water in the car to do that. And we came here. I'm going to tell you a true story. It's very embarrassing, okay? We have friends who uh, lived in Loch Gaul and invited us to their house one day. And I sort of thought, I don't need a map to find Loch Gaul. So I got to Newry and I said, <laughs> how much further is it? I rang him up on the phone. We're in Newry. Where do we go from here? And he's like, what? Like, it's just beyond Newry, isn't it? Because Newry had been there before, so I thought, Newry, Loch Gaw, it's bound to be somewhere just off Newry. Turns out it isn't. Turns out it took us nearly the same time again as it did from get from Belfast to Newry to get from Newry to Loch Gaw. But God disrupted our mindset. He shook us out of what our norm and our comfort zone. <clears throat> and we came here, and we came down here, and we went, we tried to find uh, Creek Avenue Town Centre. And so we kept driving around roundabouts, and we kept seeing these signs that said Craig Avon Centre. Uh, and, and every time, we just do, were doing loops, and then we eventually worked out, oh, it's a shopping centre. There isn't a town centre. And so then we decided we're going to plant a church, and uh, we decided we would do it in Portadown. And the lovely helpful of Portadown people who heard that we were going to plant a church said, that's fantastic. Come on, plant a church in Portadown. That would be amazing. You'll do really well. Or, they said, Portadown's a really hard place. He'll have a hard job planting a church in Portadown. It's not be easy. It's a very religious place. And I have this amazing filter. See, when I hear nonsense like that, I just completely ignore it. I just like, yeah, well, that's your opinion. Away with it. Um, still here. Still ignoring. Um, but... When God mobilizes us to go and bring his kingdom, he changes the way we think. He changes our mindset. He, he makes us people who are willing to cross barriers, to step out, to take risks, to not just sit in their comfortable place of, I can manage all of this. The place of faith is always a place of risk. It's a place of opportunity, but it's the place of encounter. When we encounter the presence of the living God, and when we're praying one of the great prayers of, Oh God, help. If you don't turn up, now I'm stuffed. How often do we deliberately put ourselves in the place of stepping out of our comfort zones enough that we need to pray that prayer? We, we, we pray that prayer when our circumstances go wrong, things go badly, we're like, oh, go, oh God, help. But when do we actually put ourselves deliberately in that place where we need to pray that prayer? And that's what happens when we move into a place uh, of faith and of risk.
creative versus standardized. This is my last point. So we have, um, we're part of a church network, and I was thinking about this last night, and I was just thinking like, so you know, we think even within our church, we've got diversity and creativity and different people with different perspectives, different gifts sets. That's amazing. And we're not calling everybody to grow up into the image of the standardized Christian that we have in our mind. We're growing, calling everyone to grow up into who God has uniquely called you to be. And the faith that God's called you to uniquely express. And then we're asking ourselves, we're part of a church that's seeking to express itself for, for Portadown. In Emmanuel Portadown. And over in Lurgan, we have a church that's f trying to figure out what it needs to be for, for Lurgan and, and for the wider city. And then we're part of a church network called Tobar. And when I look around it, do you know what I see? Amazing diversity. Where we're not just saying, right, here's our cookie cutter for church. It needs to look like this, sound like this, be in a building that's shaped like that. Everybody has to do the same thing. We have a church in North Lurgan. It looks more like a community centre than it does a church. They don't have a worship leader, so they put um, YouTube videos on and they worship to that. They do stuff for the community all of the time. They figure out what church needs to look like for the, for the community that they're serving in. And so they knock people's doors on a Saturday night and give them loaves of bread as a way of starting a conversation to go on a journey with them of faith. We have a church in Rich Hill in Greece, and it's... Um, has recently moved into a pub, and it's going to transform that pub into a community centre. It's called the Hub, and it's going to be a hub for the community of Rich Hill, because that's what they feel called to. That's what God has said to them. That is the mobilisation of the church and the diversity of, of expression for what uh, they're being called to. We have inner city churches um, involved in our network in Belfast, who again are grappling with what it means to be in a church and a kingdom expression in the environment that God has placed them. We have a church in Cavan that's running an alpha course in the community centre in the evening because to meet on a morning and do a normal church service doesn't work for them, but that's okay. And so diversity needs to look like something, and in God's kingdom, we're all part of the one body, but we all have different parts, different places, different things that God is calling us to do. And a challenge for everyone here, the challenge for us in this room is, what is God calling me to do? What is he calling me up into? What does he need to break me out of for me to be able to step up and to step out? And the last little thing that I'll say is, I think we've lost a sense of urgency about all of this. We've lost a sense of one way or another, whether Jesus comes back in whatever way you think that's going to happen, or you die, we've got a very limited time on this earth, and we will one day stand before Jesus. And as Christians, we'll have to give an account for how we lived. But for so many people, they're going to experience a lost eternity as well. And so I think we've lost this, the sense of urgency that hinders mobilization when we realize that there are people across the street or across the room or across our communities who need to know Jesus, who, if they don't know Jesus, will be lost eternally. When we see that again, when we understand that again, we will mobilize to go and do something about that.
But I think just, church, we've, we've lost our sense of urgency. Jesus is coming back, whether you are around to see it or not, doesn't really matter. How it's going to happen doesn't really matter. What matters is what God is calling you to do, who God is calling you to be. But the, the greatest thing for us is that when we live in the fullness of what God has called us to do, we as people thrive. We thrive. Life may not be easy, but we're called to thrive. And just this morning, as we're finishing, the band are going to come up. And I would love us just to, to open ourselves up to the possibility that God is shaking you up individually and shaking us up corporately to mobilize to see God's kingdom come. You know, we very often pray, and so we should, for revival. When revival comes... We are not going to spend all of our time sitting in meetings going, isn't this amazing for us? We're going to spend our time out there saying, isn't this amazing for everyone else? That's what we're called to do. So, I don't stand and we'll sing. And then I'd love for us just to maybe respond a bit to what God's speaking into you.